Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joe. And on today's episode, we're going to be recapping our Adventures by Disney trip to Portugal, which we almost didn't make it to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and almost didn't return from. Yeah, absolutely. So we had fun flight adventures. Yeah, if you're going on anywhere, both sides of this trip. anytime soon, make sure you have a buffer of like before getting there and even after getting like coming home. Yeah, th- this uh, this recap is kind of like a two part episode because yeah. we have two trips to recap. Yes. So we were gone for two weeks. The first part of the trip was our adventures by Disney trip. So we are starting with that this week. And then next week, we will conclude our European adventure <laughs> over at Disneyland Paris. But yeah, we had uh, some flight troubles both ends here. Um, so not not a lot of fun. Definitely I mean, getting there was the most nerve wracking because yes. we were worried we weren't going to make it. Right, exactly. And that's never fun. But yeah, our, our flight, our first flight to our connection got sent back <laughs> which is never fun when you're flying for an hour. I was like, we're say, just turning you around. You undersold it. We circled the the uh, the Finger Lakes for about an hour, and then they're like, and we, Joe even looked up the flight map, and he's like, it looks like we're just going in circles around yeah. around and the Finger like, Lakes. Yeah, and they're like, Newark's closed. We're sending you back. So it was you know kind of crazy for a little bit, but luckily <laughs> we made it. Had enough time. Yeah. The crazy part was they sent us back, and then we were on the ground for probably. And a half an hour or 45 minutes before they started reboarding the same plane to go back to Newark. So we made it. And luckily, Joe had booked us a really long layover. So we made the next flight. Yeah, it was uh, was touch and go there for a little bit, but we got it. So um, <laughs> let's cover the Disney news of the week. We missed a couple weeks uh, because, again, we were on our trip, so we didn't have any news. Hopefully, you enjoyed that interview last week with Dr. Dan. Oh, my goodness. I think goodness. that was a really good interview. Hopefully, That's everybody so enjoyed that. If you've not heard that yet, go back and listen to last week's episode. It was a great episode, Dr. Dan, uh, who you may know from the magic of Disney's Animal Kingdom show on Disney+. Plus. Um, but he was was great to talk to. So, yes. um, so we didn't have any news, so kind of catching up on some news. Um, but Comic-Con happened while we were away. And there's always a lot of news coming out of Comic-Con. Uh, but the one thing I, I wanted to touch on was Marvel. They announced finally kind of their next couple phases. We know where things are going. We now know officially that we're in the multiversal saga here. And it's going to, strangely enough, be ending in a couple years, which I think is kind of quick, how quickly they're getting through this. But it's going to end with uh, two Avengers movies that are only six months apart, which I have a feeling that's going to slip because that seems a rather quick turnaround for two Avengers movies. Um, but but they announced that's where we're heading. It's going to end with Avengers Secret Wars, which is this giant multiversal crossover with Kang. And you're going to have all these variants. You're probably going to have X-Men in there. It, it's going to be crazy. But my, my thing is, I, I almost think Marvel is rushing this a little bit. I mean, it took us 10 years to close out the first three phases with the Infinity Saga. And that was 2019. And then within five years, they're getting through the next three phases. So it seems like they're, they're going through things pretty quickly here. And I worry that that's going to lessen the impact of these Avengers movies. Yeah, I think that, you know, my concern is always you're getting these new characters. You're getting, you know, it's not going to be the same Avengers that we've known. A lot of the Avengers are, you know, gone. They're out of commission now. So you're going to be raised up with a new new people in those roles. And so when you get new people in those roles, then you must be introduced to them. You need to know what kind of person they are. I mean, obviously, they're going to be superheroes, but you need to know about them. And some of them, you know, we might have been familiar with, like, you know, 
uh, Shuri is going to be probably the, the new Black Panther. We are familiar with her, so we have backstory. But you know, you might you're getting new characters or as well. I don't know if they're going to get Disney Plus series to kind of fill out their backstory. But yeah, it does seem a little fast, and maybe that's what they're counting on is Disney Plus to sort of do the legwork for them. But I think that's dangerous in the movie theater because again, if you're making a movie that is just all explosions and stuff, then it might not have the emotional impact that a lot of the movies from the first uh, phase did. Yeah, I, th- I think that's just my concern is they don't have the build up, And again, they are putting out a lot more content, like you said, on Disney Plus that I think they're filling in. But I also think they're trying to introduce so many characters because they're going to need a lot of characters for Secret War. Because mm-hmm. again, it is this whole thing of it's basically every superhero kind of battling it out across the multiverse. So I think it's probably a pretty good assumption that we're going to get all the Spider-Men back again um, for this. And there's already been some rumors of that. Um, The one thing is they still not announced a lot of what's going to come for phase six. So that's pretty light on phase six. I think that we're probably going to see that at D23. They basically announced phase five, which was a lot of what we kind of already knew uh, at Comic-Con. So I think phase six and some some more surprises, maybe an X-Men movie, maybe something like that. What phase are we currently in? I've lost track. We're in four. We're in four. So wait, what? when we ended um, with the Infinity Wars and Endgame. That was three. That was the end of phase three. Like, this is too hard to keep track. See, this is where where they're... They're losing. I mean, this is where they they are kind of losing me. I don't remember when we watched some of the the Marvel movies back. I don't remember a lot of the backstory because it's just it's so many years in the making. Well, again, the phase is really. I mean, to the to most people, don't mean anything. It's not like when you go from one phase to another, things change dramatically. It used to be that in Avengers, maybe some sort of team up punctuated the phases so Mm. phase one ended with the first avengers which then kind of changed every everything going forward then you have the second phase ended with uh the second avengers movie which again then kind of changed the dynamic of the team going into phase three so you know with phase four i believe that's ending with black panther uh wakanda black panther wakanda forever so maybe that'll be more of a of a team up tight movie than than we're used to but they're not punctuating it with avengers movies anymore the the story is going to get ended with avengers movies instead of the phases so i think the phases don't necessarily matter too much um but i think my point is i think there's there's more for them to announce and i think we'll probably hear about that at d23 the big news and uh, the big announcement that i was excited for and i think angela you were excited for this as well is that they announced daredevils coming back so They are bringing back the original cast of Daredevil. It's going to be an 18-episode first season on Disney+. Plus, That's huge. Which is a lot. Which, which leads me to believe that they may be trying to do more than just reboot Daredevil in this. That maybe mm. they're trying to reboot, not maybe all, but, but they're maybe trying to reboot some or all of the Netflix shows. Because maybe. there's a lot of other characters. There's Jessica Jones. There's Punisher. Iron um, Fist. There's Iron Fist. I don't know Luke if they'll Cage. try to reboot him, but, but <laughs> yeah. Luke Cage. But I think that you know, 18 episodes is a is a long time, especially when most of these Disney Plus shows are six, eight episodes, something like that. That maybe this is going to do some more heavy lifting than just reintroducing Daredevil to us. Well, you know, it kind of makes sense with what you were just talking about. With the Avengers, they're going to need a lot of heroes for secret Secret Wars, so maybe they'll bring in some of these characters from Daredevil as well. Um, if, you know, in those 18 episodes, they kind of bring back, say, like a Luke Cage or um, a Jessica Jones. 
yeah, but I, I'm excited. I'm glad to see that that Daredevil's you know officially coming back. So it'll be interesting to see uh, you know what happens with with Marvel here. I, I'm kind of looking forward to them like tying in Shang Chi because that movie seemed to not really impact the world that we're in right now, and so I, I'm wondering if that's going to come in in with the multi like the multiverse. There's a lot of movies like that. Eternals is similar, and I've kind of thought that I think some of these movies are taking place in other universes and we just don't know it yet. Yeah. Because there were there were some things at the end of, of Shang-Chi where uh, Bruce Banner is Bruce Banner again. He's not the Hulk, which is kind of odd. And, you know, the Eternals really doesn't seem to connect to things. And I, I think that that could potentially be a good twist of, you know, it seems like a lot of these movies and TV shows, a lot of, I think, the critique of them so far is they don't have a clear vision forward. They don't have a clear path. We don't know mm-hmm. what the story is. And I think Marvel doing something like, oh, by the way, it turns out these things didn't make sense on purpose because they're yeah. all actually separate universes. And so the Eternals really isn't in the same universe as you know the main Avengers that we've been following or Shang-Chi is, is in a separate universe. And, and then, yeah, they get pulled together in Secret Wars and again, part of the comics is, you know, all these universes could come together. And then there was some reshuffling of superheroes in the main kind of Marvel comic universe. So you could have that if that's how now, uh, you know, Shang-Chi gets pulled in or something like that. Yeah. I don't know if that will actually happen because that could be very confusing to, mm-hmm. to people, you know, moviegoers and stuff. But I could potentially see something like that. So yeah. we'll see. Uh, internationally... Tokyo Disneyland announced their new show over at Tokyo Disney Sea will be debuting in November. It's called Believe Sea of Dreams. Uh, it's a new show. It's going to have Disney and Pixar characters on the lagoon there. They also announced this will be the first time they're going to be doing projections on the Hotel Mary Costa. So wow, it looks uh, really good. Tokyo Disney Sea always does uh, really great shows. I think I saw somewhere that they spent somewhere around seventy to a hundred million dollars developing this show. Um, which is a lot of money. And Tokyo Disney, I think, is not afraid to spend money uh, on quality entertainment over there. So pretty exciting that they have a new show over there. I think including the hotel with some projection mapping uh, will will make it pretty spectacular. A little foreshadowing for next week as well. I mean, we Joe and I did a lot of talking about shows um, whenever we were over in Paris because they also have shows kind of like, and it reminded us of going to Tokyo Disney and man, we need those in America. These shows are so, when we say this and we announce them, you know, anybody who's never been to an international park, you might be like, eh, that's nothing. No, these shows are a big deal. They're really high cost, like high production value. They're really nice. They're a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, this is a big deal. This is really something cool. Like I, I would love to go see this. Yeah. And this is their nighttime show. that's taking the place of Fantasmic over there, but it has a, a good mix of characters. I mean, in the promotional kind of material, they have Peter Pan, but they also have Aladdin and Moana. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a nice mix there. So this past week, Disney had their quarterly earnings call. Some news out of that is that the parks are continuing to make money, uh, seem to be doing, you know, better than ever. Uh, overall, Disney seems to be doing very well. Uh, on the streaming side, they did announce that Disney Plus is going to be increasing uh, $3, which is a pretty big increase per month starting on December 8th. If you want to stay at the $7.99 price, you're going to have to now do it with ads. <laughs> um, so this is also coming off of the the announcement that they added 15 million subscribers this past quarter. And I believe overall across uh, Disney Plus and Hulu and ESPN uh, across the globe, they now have more subscribers than Netflix. So 
they're they're rapidly gaining subscribers and now they're just trying to make money with it because even though they have all these subscribers mm-hmm. uh they said they lost 1.1 billion dollars across all their streaming services this past year um so they're obviously trying to become profitable, which is why they're increasing it $3 a month. I don't know. I, I could see this being an issue for them. That's quite an ask is $3 a month for people. I think it's a large jump. I know that whenever they came out with Disney Plus and they at the $7.99 price point, I kind of thought that was cheap. Um, so, I mean, I, I think that they definitely could charge more, but jumping $3 is quite a bit. But, hey, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say about it, except for I think that they... We're a little. That's a little. That's a little greedy. I feel like on their part. Yeah, I mean, everybody knew it wasn't going to stay that cheap as when it, you know, first came out. And again, they they still have the seven ninety nine with ads. You know, the price of Hulu is going up as well. I mean, they're they're raising the price across the board. I think what the the risk they run into is they've gained all these subscribers because it is a really good value. You know, yeah. at seven eight dollars, it is a really good value, but. I think this is the problem Netflix is running into when you're up to 15, I don't know, Netflix, I think is up to maybe even close to $20 for some of the plans. It becomes harder to justify that cost. You price yourself out. Yeah. If, if you don't have a lot of great content and, you know, Disney is, they have a lot of the Marvel shows, they have Star Wars shows, but you know, those only come out every so many months and, yeah. you know, they have, you know, some movies on there and things, but you know, if you start getting up to, you know, if they're at ten ninety nine now, in a, another couple of years, they'll be at fifteen dollars. And is you know the Disney catalog worth fifteen dollars if you're getting you know a new Marvel show every quarter? Maybe not. Yeah. You know, I don't. I think that's going to slow down how many subscribers they get. And so I think they have to be careful with with how quickly they increase this. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously it's August, so that means it's Halloween time. <laughs> So Mickey's uh, not so scary Halloween. It took party a second to, to register in my head that that's what you. Meant. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. Crazy. So so August twelfth was the first Mickey's not so scary Halloween party. Uh, it's crazy that you know in August in Florida it's like a hundred degrees and they're having Halloween parties. But yeah, uh, this is the world we live in. Um, but but new for this year is they're having the Powerline uh, Max there. So Max in his Powerline costume. Apparently, that's so cool. This character has been at Disneyland before. Uh, but never at Walt Disney World. So uh, he's a Walt Disney World. He's part of the parade for Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party. So that's a, a pretty cool addition this year. I would love to see that. I, I enjoy their Halloween off- offerings. The you know Chip and Dale and the dinosaur costumes I think is adorable. Those are a lot of fun and they add a little you know, extra incentive to kind of want to go. All right. So let's jump into our recap of our Adventures by Disney trip. So before we get into our specific trip, just kind of a background for people who may not be familiar with Adventures by Disney. So Adventures by Disney is uh, Disney's version of group travel. So you have a predetermined itinerary, you have travel guides, uh, adventure guides that are with you along the way. Um, So basically your hotels are covered, a lot of your meals are covered, the transportation is covered, the different activities you do are already built in. So it is a way to go see 
different cities and different countries. And it's not, you know, just going to Disney parks. I mean, they have this all around the world. So we went to Portugal. Right. They have ones in the Galapagos. They have them in Iceland. You can go to Antarctica. So it, you can go to places, you know, that's not just a Disney park. And it's not... And that don't have a Disney park. Yeah. And it's not Disney where like, you know, Mickey and Minnie are coming with you. Right. Uh, you know, that either. It's just that it's a, a division of the Disney company. And it's Disney in the fact that there's some magical extras and... You know, you have a good level of service. Everything is taken care of. You I know, would say a great level yeah. of service. Yeah. yeah. So you, you know, you know, you're going to have that Disney quality. So that's yes. kind of where the the Disney uh, comes in, and you can go again do some incredible adventures. And it's built off the idea of kind of when when Walt started the company early. A lot of what he did was nature films, mm-hmm. conservation. He enjoyed traveling the world, and so they kind of took that spirit. Uh, and built upon that. So for people yeah. that love Disney can kind of come together and you have that kind of connective tissue uh, and enjoy you know, new experiences around the world. One thing, if you are interested in doing your own adventures by Disney, you know, they're, they're booked a little bit differently. It's not like going to the theme parks where you can just you know, go online, book something yourself. You do have to, to call in or it's recommended to use a travel agent. Uh, we use a travel agent, official travel agent yep. <laughs> uh, of, of the Enchanted Ears podcast, uh, Becky Ginther at Castle Dreams Travel. We'll put her information uh, in the show notes. So if you're interested, definitely reach out to her. She helped us book this trip and actually our Disneyland Paris trip. Uh, and it, it makes it really smooth. I will say with the Adventures by Disney, there are a lot of like forms you need to fill out and and dates you need to hit. So it is nice to have a travel agent, mm-hmm. somebody reminding you, hey, you need to turn this in or they need to have your flight information. There, there's a lot of back and forth. So, you know, it saves you time having to call and, and try to get all that, you know, figured out using a travel agent. So definitely recommend, you know, using Becky if you're looking to plan a trip. Uh, the other thing I will add is these are not cheap trips. No. So these are definitely <laughs> expensive. We talked a few weeks ago about the one around the world, which was like $100,000 Yeah, plus. this is nowhere near that yeah. expensive, yeah, but it was still expensive. expensive. But they're definitely expensive trips. So they vary depending on you know how many days they are, uh, where you're going, and, and different things like that. So just kind of all of those things to, uh, you know, to kind of keep in mind just in general. And then we'll kind of now, you know, get in specifics to our trip. So we did the trip to Portugal, which covers three cities in Portugal. Uh, it starts in northern Portugal in Porto. You're there for a few days. Uh, then you're down in Lisbon uh, for a few days. And you finish in the south in the Algarve uh, for basically like a day and a half. So it's a nine-day trip. Uh, but your first day there is basically your arrival. You have a welcome dinner. You're kind of on your own, just kind of getting acclimated to things. And then the last day, the ninth day is basically you leaving. So yeah. if you're leaving for the airport, it's not really like you have that full day there. No. So they call it nine days, but you really get about eight days uh, in total. So we had two incredible guides, uh, oh my Lor- gosh. Lori, <laughs> Lori, who was uh, with Disney, uh, and then Philippa, who was a local guide from Portugal, uh, who both of them were incredible. Uh, and Philippa's knowledge, I think, was one of the things that was, made the trip. I was going to say it was one of the highlights of the trip by far. She was so knowledgeable. She knew so much about Portugal. She was passionate about it. You know, any good teacher is passionate about, passionate about what they teach. And her enthusiasm about the history of her country helped to make me and everyone else, I think, excited to learn what she had to present. Uh, definitely. This trip, I will say... 
is probably punctuated by the amount of food and wine tastings you go on. <laughs> Lots of wine tastings. I feel like there's not probably this many wine tastings on the other trip, but Porto is known for port wine and they have a lot of vineyards there. So there's definitely a lot of a lot of wine tastings. Um, I guess before we kind of jump into the trip, so just kind of maybe taking a step back, you do get some like pre-arrival goodies. So mm. uh, we got a backpack uh, and a bag. They give yep. you a whole set of pins. Yep. So you get a pin for basically each day of the trip. And I think originally what they usually do is they hand out the pins over throughout the trip. But um, we kind of found out that they didn't do that because to sort of lessen the contact because of COVID. Right. So yeah, so they sent us everything ahead of time. Um, but they do basically before you go, you have to make sure they give you luggage tags. So because they do luggage transfers, it's kind of like the magical express. Like yeah. as, as you move from location to location, you just put your bags out there. If you have them you know, tagged. Yeah, they they take care of all of that. There's an app uh, you can use to see your itinerary, see where you're staying, what you're going to be doing each day. So they do a really nice job before you even arrive prepping you what you need to know. I think it's a very easy process, kind of understanding like where you're going to be, what you're going to need to be doing, which I think makes it nice. And mm-hmm. and from the moment you arrive at the airport, there's somebody there to pick you up. Very clearly, Adventures by Disney. Yep. You know, it's it's not like they transport you. Yeah, and it's not mm-hmm. like you're struggling out there because I think you know one of the fears and I think one of the nice things about this is when you're in a foreign country especially one where you may not speak the language it's how am I going to get around which is I think why Adventures by Disney is a nice way to go to a country like that because again they do take care of all that for you yeah it's an interesting thing too um, which I didn't realize about Portugal before we went I I loved what we did Portugal was actually a very accessible country for an English speaker we didn't realize that going in but we learned very quickly that Almost everyone we encountered spoke some English. It's apparently, I think what I think Philippa told us it was like the number two country in the world that learns English, something like that. And it was so true because everywhere we went, now we did go to some places that were touristy, but everywhere we went, there were tons of people who spoke English. So it was really easy, even going into shops by ourselves when we were away from the group to go and say, like, you know, tell them that you wanted to buy something. They'd even strike up a conversation. The people were so friendly and so nice. Yeah. And I think the other thing, you know, with having guides there, even when you are on your own, they'll give you recommendations. Mm -hmm. So they'll tell you, hey, here's a good place to go. You know, what are you looking for food wise, looking to do, and they'll give you recommendations. So even when you are kind of out on your own, you're not necessarily fully on your own, own, which I think is really good. Yeah. I think to your point, I I was surprised too how much people in Portugal spoke English. Right. And Um, I didn't expect that. I mean, we're in a different country. I don't expect them to know English, but it was just kind of a shock that, that they did. Yeah. But I definitely think going to a place, you know, that, that didn't speak English, even if they didn't, you're able to kind of navigate right. it well because this, I think the other thing that kind of impressed me and as, as we were going through it, because, you know, again, it is expensive and in your mind, you're thinking like, was this worth it? Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could have booked all of this stuff. Like I could have paid less, mm-hmm. you know, to stay at all these hotels than what I paid, which obviously because you're paying for the guides, you know, Disney's trying to make money. So, you know, it's going to be a little bit more, but, but the way that it is coordinated and the places you go, I think it would be difficult to go if it was just you. So mm-hmm. it wasn't like we were just, hey, we're in Porto and we're going to just go around the city. I mean, we traveled 
outside the city, we traveled to the other riverbank. You know, we, we drove around to different places. Some of the things we did were kind of out in the countryside more, especially mm-hmm. like some of the, the wineries and some of the experiences we did, which we'll get into some of those specific experiences. You know, they were 45 minutes outside the city and we took a bus and it, and it's not like, you know, you're on a, a major highway that this is, you know, a tourist destination that thousands of people are going to. I mean, at one point we went to a tile shop. So, you know, Portugal is very yeah. uh, well known for their hand-painted tile. And we went to a shop that makes a hand-painted tile for around the world. And I mean, this is just a small shop that yeah. does this. This isn't like, you know, uh, a tile museum that 10,000 people go to. It's not a huge factory. To. Yeah. I mean, this is something that, you know, the bus barely made it down the road that, you know, if it was just us, could we have gotten there? But maybe, but you'd have to get a taxi again, probably an hour outside would, the city. It would be so difficult. I don't to think do that place own. would probably even just let random people come in like that. Yep. So, so things like that. You would probably need to book as part of a group. And yeah. which is why Disney is good at doing that. Exactly. So, so things like that, where, you do get to do unique experiences that you couldn't plan on yourself. That's where some of the added value is. Right. I, I will say with all that being said, I, I did have to remind myself sometimes because sometimes you get extras and you're like, oh, isn't this so nice? And it's like, yeah, it is nice. But then you got to remind you yourself, pay for it. I, I did pay for all of this. So it, it, it better <laughs> be nice. Like like the welcome dinner and, and, and the farewell dinner and everything. They had a band playing and stuff. And it's like, oh, this is really nice. But then it's like, Wait, Disney's not like giving to this me for free. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm paying for this in the end. But, but yeah, all of it was really great. So, so let's let's kind of go through. So again, our the first day there, you get there. Uh, we talked about again seamless, you know, pickup from the the airport uh, to the hotel. You have a a private car taking you. So as soon as you get there, it's not like you have to wait for everybody else to arrive. They take you. Uh, you're able to get checked in and kind of decompress. You're basically on your own that first day. Really, all you need to do uh, is have a welcome dinner. So once everybody's there at night, you have a welcome dinner. So that that's kind of the first day. And otherwise, we were on our own to basically explore the town. And it's really nice because whenever we say we're on our own, I mean, you could go back to the hotel room and sleep. Um, they mentioned that. But also, as soon as we got there, Philippa had a lot of recommendations. You know, we're, we're going to have time to do this. We're going to go check this out. But these are things we aren't going to go see. So if you want to come here and explore, here's where to go. She handed us a map. I mean, we were very well equipped with things that we could do right away so that we can get acclimated and and kind of know the city a little better. Um, so that was really uh, just, again, uh, that extra level of service that you wouldn't get on a normal trip we got from, you know, being a part of this adventure by Disney. Exactly. And then you have the welcome dinner. And I think this is the other kind of part that makes these adventures by Disney trip special mm-hmm. is you are with a group of people. So you're with the same group of people. There was, I want to say roughly like 22 yeah, of 22, us, I think, 22, yeah. 23 of us, 21, 22, I think. Um, uh, the trip. So you're, you're together the whole time. And they can book up to 40. I think they said was their maximum number. So she said before Lori told us before the um, pandemic, they were hitting about 40 on every trip. I definitely think that having around, you know, in that 20, 20 range was range. very nice. And we got to know some of the people really well. Yeah. And, and that's, again, kind of like the other thing is you get to know these people over the course of, you know, mm-hmm. your eight or nine days there. And again, you're, you're all kind of connected. You're maybe from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. But I think, I think Lori mentioned it and it's a good point of, 
you do have this at least initial connection of Disney because yeah. it is Adventures by Disney. So you at least you've been to the theme parks, you know, the movies, you know something about Disney. There's a reason why you picked Adventures by Disney versus another right. group. And so even though you know, we're not sitting around talking about like, oh, hey, do you like Goofy, Goofy. or Donald better? <laughs> you know, that that's not the discussion. You kind of have at least a shared expectation and a shared experience that does kind of provide a baseline. And, and it yeah. was interesting. I mean, you do kind of fall into a group pretty well. And it, you know, I mean, yeah. you, you kind of get to know each other pretty well. And I think having, yeah, that shared baseline, even though if you don't like consciously think of it, does help, uh, help that. Yeah. I think we got lucky, like really lucky too, because we had a lot of really entertaining people. We had, I think, five teenagers on our, in our group. So, I mean, teenagers, I get a bad rap. I love teenagers. I think that they are really thoughtful and fun to hang around. Um, so, I mean, <laughs> I gravitate to talking to the kids over talking to the adults. And it was just a lot of fun getting to know them, kind of seeing their reactions to things. And uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was so fun. And I think that that added another level, at least for me, than just being with Joe. Don't tell Joe I said that. <laughs> I won't tell him. He'll never know. So yeah, but no, that's a, it's a lot of fun. So again, so that that's kind of your first night. Again, not a ton going on. Uh, you know, you're flying in. I would definitely recommend one of the tips and we'll try to kind of give our tips, you know, throughout, try to get there a day early Yeah. or stay a day late. And we'll, we'll talk about why, especially the Portugal one, stay an extra day. And we'll talk about why at the end. Um, but for this, the reason we talked about at the beginning of the yeah, show. Yeah, I was going to say a day early is solid. I would say definitely the day early. Yeah, our, our flight issues where we almost didn't make it. And now again, if we were a day late, we would have just m- missed the welcome dinner. It wouldn't have been the end of the world, but it does complicate things. So if you can get there a day early, which a lot of people did, they either uh, you know went somewhere before for a few days and then they, you know they came in early you know, somewhere else in Europe or you know they were there a day early. Definitely recommend doing that. Um, just because you want to make sure you're there and you know you don't miss anything. I mean, on our plane ride to Newark, almost everyone was on an international flight, and there were many people who were missing their connecting flights to international locations. And some of those people were on cruises. So, for, I mean, I know we're talking about Adventures by Disney right now, but if you're doing like a Disney Riverboat cruise or anything that's not even you know just traveling in general, and you have to be somewhere by a specific time. Be careful because airlines right now are canceling flights like crazy. Yeah. And again, we were lucky that it wasn't like if we missed a day, right. we couldn't catch up. If you're on a cruise and the cruise leaves, you're not you're getting done. on that ship. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, all right. So the second day was spent uh, in Porto. So we got to see the city and it was a unique way to see the city because we took tuk-tuks oh, um, throughout. So, so this was our first uh, first of two tuk-tuk adventures. And and, it was my favorite. <laughs> and, and tuk-tuks are basically... Uh, like three wheel bike yeah electric cars you know that can fit like four or five people on them uh, and it, it's a good way to drive to the city because you know european streets can be narrow yeah um you can't you know f- fit a lot of cars so it, you know it's open air it's kind of a, a cool way to go through so we yeah. would you know drive through the city hop on hop off it was a little d- cold at times all of like, like we came we were lucky lucky that we missed the heat wave that like smashed Europe. We can't, we went right after that. So it was kind of cool. And because we were off of the water, there was a breeze. Um, so it definitely was chilly for me, but I luckily packed a jacket, but our tuk-tuk driver was amazing. He told us all kinds of really interesting 
information, would, like turn around and kind of tell us. And then he also like taught, taught us about how they learn English, like how he would watch, um, like he would watch like The Office, but they don't dub it. So you have to learn the English and like read the subtitles to get it. And that's how you kind of learn. So that was just, it was just a fascinating study and getting to talk to different people. And the interesting thing is, you know, all of these cities were very different. So, yeah. you know, and we got to see you know them in very unique perspectives. So, you know, Porto is very much a hill. It's there's, there, yeah, there's, there's hills, but I'd say it's, it's probably the most crowded city too. It was very much yeah. like, not as crowded as New York, but kind of like that where everything's very close. Everything's walkable. People are walking everywhere. Things aren't necessarily as spread out, you know, as, as other, you know, kind of like major cities. And, and so the streets were jumbled. Like there wasn't a lot of rhyme or reason to them. Um, they were kind of all over the place, which made it kind of interesting and cool. Yeah, but it definitely lends itself to walking. Like it's just, mm. it, everything's just kind of very compact. A lot of like hustle and bustle going on. Like it, it seemed like it was just a high energy city. Yeah, and I would say it's different kind of hustle and bustle than New York though. Like oh, it, that, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, that's what I'm saying. It, I think that's just like the, probably the closest comparison just in terms of like energy. Yeah, I'd say. it's just more of like a, we live in the suburbs, so we can't walk everywhere. And I think Porto reminds us of New York City just because you walk to anywhere that you want to go. That's exactly what they do. But you can see why they're all very fit over there because, man, walking up and down those hills, that was killer. I wanted to go for a run, and and Philippa kind of laughed at me because um, she's like, there's no real good place to run right here. <laughs> Turned out she was right. I just kind of ran. I think I ended up running in the gym. Well, yeah, because it's not really flat. And again, it's so crowded. But I think the two highlights of the day uh, were uh, the the bookstore we went to, which I think it's pronounced the Lau, Lau. Uh, you got uh, me. Yeah, I, I don't remember 100% how to pronounce that. But basically, it's a very popular bookstore. And the story goes that uh, J.K. Rowling, while she was living in Porto, would go to this bookstore and then she took inspiration of it for Harry Potter. She denies this. If you go into it, it looks just like Ollivander's. Yep. <laughs> uh, like 100% like Ollivander's. So there are lines out the door around the block to get into this place because people want to see it. And so this is kind of one of the things, the benefits of Adventures by Disney. We go there, they hand us a ticket, we skip the line and we walk in. It was incredible. And you would think going to a bookstore doesn't sound like a highlight. It was so cool. I mean... Just seeing this place and how the high ceilings, how the books are stacked way above your head. They have them in Spanish. They have them in French. They have them in English. They have them in Portuguese. The books are all beautiful. They get a cute little stamp on them that say that, you know, they're from the, I, I can't remember what it says, like the most beautiful bookstore or something. And with our ticket, we also got to get a book, which yeah, was you get a, free book a lot of fun. Yeah. And I, I, Forgot to mention this at the top, but we did take like a ton of pictures. They also take pictures of you mm -hmm. during the trip, the adventure guides uh, that you can then download for free afterwards. So we're going to go through all of these pictures. We have to kind of like sort through them, um, but we may try to do like a, a live stream on YouTube kind of walking through yeah. some of this stuff. So we'll do our best to kind of describe what happened. <laughs> yeah. um, but our plan is is maybe in a few weeks, once we can kind of sort through everything, we'll do a live stream on YouTube, 
kind of show and talk through some of the pictures, answer some questions you may have. It'll be so fun, definitely look out for that. Fun way for us to just redigest the trip because it was such a whirlwind. I mean, you're so busy and you do so much. It's nice to just kind of go back and appreciate it in retrospect. No, definitely. And then the second uh, really cool thing we did that day was the bridge climb. So Porto uh, has... Yeah, that day was fire. It was yeah. really good. Porto has a, a concrete arch bridge and it was actually when it would open, I think like in the 60s, maybe even earlier than that, it was the largest concrete arch bridge in the world. And there are steps underneath it on the arch that you can climb up. So we got to go and do that. And that was kind of surreal because we're just, you know, walking around and we walk up to this like, and it looks like Back an abandoned alley. alleyway. Yeah. And it's like, what are we doing here? And and then they just knock on this door, this like locked door. And I'm like, what's going on? And you're thinking like somebody's just going to open, like there's a passcode or something. And it opens right up and you get to go walk up this bridge. So this kind of goes back to what Joe said before, where it's just like, you would never, I don't know how you would ever find that on your own. Cause you would think, oh, well it says to go here, but this is absolutely, there's no way we're supposed to be here. We're definitely trespassing. Let's turn around and go back. I don't want to get arrested and put in jail in a foreign country. Like this is definitely one of those cases where it's like, this is something that you would probably only do with Disney. Yeah, definitely. And then we also, at, at the end of the day, uh, learned how port wine was made, mm-hmm. which was really interesting. So again, Porto is known for their port wine. It's actually the only place in the world that can make true port wine. It's kind of like how champagne can only come from Champagne, Even France. Even though the grapes aren't actually grown in Porto, they're grown in the Douro Valley and then they're aged in Porto. Yeah, and right. sh- or, or no, is it that they're aged in Porto? They're aged and shipped from Porto. Correct. Yes. Correct. Um, but I learned so much information. It's amazing how fast I forgot it. But it's all in that area. The The Douro Valley is is pretty close by. Yeah, I think it was like an hour drive away from Porto. Yeah, so it, it's it's not too far. So we learned all about, you know, kind of port wine, how it's made, how it's aged. It's pretty fascinating to get to go and see just kind of these you know giant warehouses full of you know, barrels, barrels, aging, all of this stuff and learn how, you know, the larger barrel makes the wine one color, aging in a smaller barrel makes it another color. You can age it forever. They have port wine from like 1850 that's yeah. still aging in, in bottles. So it was it was a pretty cool experience to see that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting, you know, Joe, neither Joe or I are huge drinkers, but it was just interesting to learn how it's made, the people kind of behind it, you know, it at that particular location, I think that the highlight of the information that we learned for me was learning about the Coopers, which are the the men that maintain the barrels that the wine is kept in. And it's just so interesting how like meticulous they are about, you know, no like new wood goes into the barrels. They have to pre-age the wood and just how they're like the only people that really keeps Coopers on hand. And it's just how it's so like everything that they seemed to do seem it was just so um thought out and so planned and not rushed and it kind of seemed like the antithesis of the way that we sort of do things here where it's like ah oh, that'll be good enough for them it's like no it needs to be you know perfection but like not a destructive kind of it needs to be perfection but you know taking pride in your work kind of thing yeah it it is pretty fascinating of like you said they they have to use pre-aged wood so mm-hmm. like they they're you know, they, they kind of have to make the wood and, and almost age other wine in it to season mm-hmm. it so that, that way that when they need to replace it and kind of keep everything going. And I can only imagine them trying to fix like these massive barrels that hold just yeah tens of thousands of gallons uh, in there to be able to fix that is, is, is pretty phenomenal. So it, it's interesting to see. And again, when you're doing these tours, 
they're basically private tours. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like you're in with thousands of other people. Uh, yeah, it was just us and our group. Get, yeah, to go through this. And, and then you do a port wine tasting at the end. Um, so you get to taste some stuff. If you want to buy it, you know, you can. <laughs> it made so. me feel very fancy because if I drink any kind of wine, it's like, oh, whatever is like probably cheapest. And there it was like, oh, here's a, you know, 25 year old vintage wine that is. $180 a bottle here you can try it I'm like what this is so cool yeah yeah it, w- it was really cool so uh, day three was our last day in Porto um, but this is where we did go out to the Dora Valley so you know we got to see the port wine the first day and then uh, you know the next day we actually got to go out to the Dora Valley to see where the grapes are grown amazing which is it's an amazing drive because mm-hmm. they're basically just sheer hillsides that they've terraced to grow all of these grapes. Um, I would not want to be the one picking those or working on that at all because I mean, that's, it's a pretty steep hill, but it it was beautiful to see as you drive into the Dora river Valley. Yeah. And Philippa kind of indicated to us that they're, they struggle getting people to pick the grapes and she even proposed like, man, they should just get some tourists to do it because they'd probably love being a part of the process. And I'm like, yeah, I'd do it. It'd be pretty cool. Yeah, but but the Dora River, uh, so it's the the River Valley, and then basically they would grow the grapes and then send them along the river down to Porto. Mm-hmm. Um, but we got to do a, a kayaking uh, on the river, which was a lot of fun. And then Portugal's also known for its cork um, because they got a lot of wine, so you need a lot of cork for all those wine bottles. Um, so we got to do a, a cork project. We went to another winery <laughs> for lunch, so kind uh, of. A lot of food and wine on this one, uh, but then got to make you know a cool little grape leaf uh, and grapes out of cork that you get to kind of take home with you. So you know yeah. it was a, it was a, a fun day in the Dora Valley, and then basically you're kind of on your own for your last evening at Porto. Yeah, um, one thing that I would be remiss not to mention because it was the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life was at a McDonald's, and there was a really ni- we saw many very nice McDonald's on our trips. Um, it is a weird, strange touch point that I don't, I never go to McDonald's in the United States, but when we're abroad, we love McDonald's. It's cool to see something familiar in a different setting. Yeah. So anyway, there was a McDonald's at the bottom of the hill and Joe pointed out to me that there was a man walking around with a bird on his, on his arm, a falcon. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? Like going around showing off his bird? Cause he's so cool. He has a bird. I mean, let's, let's face it. Falcons are awesome. No, what he was doing is he was an employee, like he was employed by McDonald's to walk around and scare away the pigeons because they had a ton of pigeons. That was. Well, like, I think it was the seagulls. I think it was more the seagulls uh, than the pigeons. Really? I thought that I think there were a lot of pigeons. Well, there. the pigeons were there, but they really weren't seen to be going anywhere. I think it was more to keep the seagulls away. Maybe I don't know, but whatever. It was it was to keep away pest birds. But it was the coolest thing I've ever seen. I mean, it wasn't like the falcon was leaving his arm and lunging at anything, but it was just I guess the presence of that falcon kind of kept them at bay. He's just standing there talking to people too. Like like he just has a falcon on his arm just talking to people as they're eating like their lunch. It was was pretty wild to see. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So so Porto uh, was great. Again, you kind of had three days there. We had our final evening. Again, the transfers. So we took a bus uh, from city to city, um, but it's really great. And the nice thing they do, and I I really got to, you know, give it to Disney and, and the guides and, and, you know, specifically Lori. I mean, she, she was our guide and she did a great job. She does a really good job of telling you what you need to know, but not so far in advance that yeah. you're going to forget. And, it, and at no point, like, was I ever worried, 
oh, I'm not sure what's going to happen. Like I, I always knew yeah. like she gave us enough information at the point when we needed it that I always knew she was going to tell us what we needed to know. Like I was yeah. never worried oh, I'm, I'm missing something or, you know, they didn't tell us something we need to know. And again, it wasn't too soon. It wasn't like, you know, she told us, Hey, what we're going to be doing for the next three days in Porto. It was like, okay, here's the morning. Here's the morning. This is what you need to know for the next four hours. And at the end of the day, it was like, okay, we leave tomorrow at eight o'clock, you know, have your bags out by seven. We leave at eight. And that's all you needed to know. And then once, once we left, then it became, okay, this is what we're going to do. So you didn't get yourself too far ahead that you were going to forget. Um, but it is, it's really great. You put your bags out, they, they take them on the bus for you and you go and it makes for a really smooth trip. Like at no point on this trip was I ever stressed in yeah. any way that we weren't going to be where we needed to be. Or again, like that I was going to forget something because I knew what I needed to know for the next couple hours and I could easily remember that. And that was it, which was really, really great. And it made, it, it did make for a very stress-free and smooth vacation. And they would even go as far to even give you like clothing recommendations. Like they'd say, hey, remember, we're climbing a bridge. So you're going to want to, you know, wear something really comfortable. They'd never like say you need to dress up. But I will say, as a general rule, Europeans dress a lot nicer than Americans do. Uh, there were a couple points where I'm like, I feel actually embarrassed by the clothing that I'm wearing right now with my athletic, my athleisure so that is another tip. I mean, you definitely don't need to wear like formal clothes like yeah. on these trips. But I, I would recommend depending on your location, though, if you're going yeah. to like Italy or something yeah, or maybe, somewhere where you need to maybe cover. I'm up. talking Portugal. Yeah, I'm talking Portugal, our, our yes. trip Portugal here. So you know, if you're interested in doing, in doing the Portugal trip next year, because you can book it for next year if you want to. But I definitely would recommend bringing one or two like nicer outfits. So if you're a guy, you know, a polo you know, collared shirt. If you're a woman, you know, maybe something nicer, like a a dress or something, because they do have the welcome dinner the first night and they do have the farewell dinner at the end of the night. And some of the people do dress up a little bit nicer. I mean, they are a little bit nicer, more formal dinners. It's not like you can't wear shorts or a t-shirt if you don't want to, but I'm just saying if you wanted to bring something that's a little bit nicer, you may want to have one or two outfits for those dinners i bought i brought two dresses with me i think i had wished i had brought three or four for that leg of the trip at least just because i did rewear a dress and then a lot of people that we were with just you know clothes on point so i was kind of like man i feel kind of like a bum but i did buy one on joe's urging before the trip i did buy some new nicer shorts and things so I wasn't you know in all athleisure so I was able to wear some of that to the nice gener- dinners so if you have really you don't have to dress up but I know that you know at points I thought man I <laughs> I feel like I need to step up my game a little bit but that's just me <laughs> all right so on the fourth day it was mostly a travel day it was about three hours from Porto to Lisbon and at that point, we appreciated that break because you're go, go, go. So most of us slept almost the entire three hours, although we did stop in between, which is another nice thing to know. You're not three hours without stopping. They stop about halfway through, take you to a gas station. Their gas stations are really great, too. They have great pastries and things inside and wonderful things to buy, um, at least the ones we stopped at. Uh, so you can use the restroom and get snacks if you want. It was nice to have kind of that bus ride because <laughs> again, you start early in the morning. Like a lot, you know, these are long days. You're starting early in the morning. You're ending, you know, late at night, especially when you have dinners because 
having 20 some people. There were going to be a couple hours for dinner. Um, so it, it was nice to have a, you know, a little bit of a break there. But you know, going to Lisbon, it's interesting because then you get to see again, kind of a, a different city. You think, oh, I'm just going from one city to another. Like, how's it going to be that much different? Um, but Lisbon is very different to Porto. So yes. it's, it's, it's more spread out. It's a little bit bigger of a city. It's very much like San Francisco. They have basically a, their own Golden Gate Bridge. I mean, it looks <laughs> they, exactly the same. They do have their own Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's I think not they were called ch- the Golden Gate. It's not called the Golden Gate Bridge, but it looks just like yeah, it. Yeah, it's the same thing, except for they have... Wait, they don't allow pedestrians, I think, on theirs, and there's a train under they can run underneath it. But and they also have their own uh, Christ the Redeemer statue, which Philippa explained as yeah, we just like to kind of take things from other places that we like and just take them because she was from Lisbon. Yeah, and Lisbon is a little bit more of like the center because that's kind of where the the president's uh, quarters it's are. Their and, capital, yeah, yeah, their capital and everything. So so there there's kind of more going on. It's a little, like I said, a little bit bigger of a city, but it's nice. You know, we, we get to Lisbon, we get on a private boat riding along, you know, the river. So you get a really good view of the bridge. You get a really good view of, you know, some of the, the monuments there and things. Uh, and it's cool. It's just, you know, you've been on a bus for three hours and then you get like, you know, a, just a nice relaxing boat I, ride. I loved that boat ride. That was so much fun. Um, we're not boat people. <laughs> we don't usually do that. It was really just nice. It was cool just to sort of relax. It was more like a, like a, was it a catamaran, a yacht? I don't know. Yeah, it was, yeah, ca- it was yeah. somewhere in between. It was super nice. And there were like little hammocks in, like built into the front of the boat where you could lay in them. A um, couple li- like levels. It was, it was not a huge boat, but it was really, really nice. Yeah. And then, and then when you're done, you just pull up in the marina and you're, you eat lunch right like right on the river there on the marina so it, it was all really nice got to do uh you know a tour of lisbon see some of the sites some of the monuments and again there was a lot of history uh on this trip because philippa had such rich knowledge of the history of mm-hmm. portugal so i mean a lot of it was just going through the city and her explaining what all these different monuments are and you know the historical implications of them and the reasons why they're here and how you know and then you know callbacks to things we learned in porto yeah. and it, like it, it was just i mean everything kind of layered and intertwined on top of itself and everybody learns in school about like the kind of the age of discovery you know vasco da gama so that all was tied in and it was really cool to kind of have those references back to things that we learned and recognize how big of a role portugal portugal for such a small country you know, had in kind of the, well, it, the, you know, discovery or at least kind of the rediscovery of, you know, places because they were kind of fanning out and uh, it was just really interesting. And another thing, another uh, tr- tip, if you go on this trip, almost every breakfast that we went to, they have these little pastries. They're called pastel de nada. They're amazing. Um, they're almost like little custards. They're so delicious and uh, eat as many as you can, but then you'll get sick of pastries for a while. Like I still don't want pastries and I'm a pastry lover. You're good. Like by the time we got to Paris, I didn't want to eat another pastry, which was inconvenient at at best. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, and, and Lisbon also is known for its street art. And so this is kind of rolling into day five. We did another tuk-tuk ride. But this one was through the streets of Lisbon, stopping at different places to see the street art. We had a local guide from Lisbon who specializes in street art with us, kind of explaining it. And some of this stuff is just absolutely phenomenal. And this is mm-hmm. where it will be good to kind of do a, a video of this to be able to see the pictures of this yeah. street art because it's hard to describe. But, you know, there's one of like Poseidon and and uh, there's one of just like very ethereal. It's very colorful, you know, uh, going like on. birds. I think it's a woman. Yeah, and birds, with birds. And like it kind of has a little bit of like uh, Picasso-ish like cubism in it, but yeah. then also realism. I don't know. It's really cool. But, but this art is, I mean, basically commissioned for these buildings. I mean, it's either mm-hmm. giant apartment buildings or, or just old you know office buildings or something like that but i mean they're basically commissioning these yeah. artists to do this and it's absolutely beautiful to see so to go and see the city that way um yeah. again it's a different perspective that you know if you're driving through you may catch it but i don't know that you'd really realize how much of this art is really around yeah oh there was one of um david bowie <laughs> that we saw i think well, yeah, oh, in, in porto there was one of alan iverson was there not yeah, that was Alan Iverson. Was, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah and and you're right. You know, there there was one of David Bowie because we we went to this whole area. It's called the LX Factory, which is basically old warehouses that they've you know converted to restaurants, shops, you know, kind of place for street art type things. And, and so we got to spend a lot of time there as I well. I love that place. Yeah, that it, was a great place for souvenirs. It was. Yeah. So because it, it's it's local artisans making this stuff, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's, it's kind of a cool thing to see. And again, it's, it's right on the river. They kind of are repurposing the, you know, the old warehouse district, the whole old industrial district. It's actually right under the bridge too. So you get a cool view of the bridge cause the bridge is going, you know, yeah. right on top of you. Yeah. It, yeah. It was just all in all, like a really great experience. Another thing we haven't talked much about the food. Um, every single meal you get like, you know, a salad or some sort of starter, and then you get a main course, and then you also get a dessert. So if you eat everything, you're eating very well. This was probably the low point of the trip for me, and I, I think you probably would agree. I unfortunately just didn't care for the – it wasn't really in my palate um, exactly. There's a lot of fish. I'm not a big fish fan. I did what I could with, you know, with that, but – it was definitely a little rough on my stomach, um, I think, eventually, because I wasn't eating what I normally eat. Not very many vegetables. So, yeah. Well, the food, it's a, a good point talking about the food. So most of the meals, everybody's kind of eating the same thing. Mm-hmm. So the meals you're doing together as a group. I think there were four pre-selected meals. So as you kind of mentioned earlier, it helps just getting things going a little faster. So that doesn't take as long that everyone's looking at a menu and picking what they want. Well, and that's, and that's where you have options. So those four where you can pre-select, those are really yeah. the only ones you have options. The other yeah. meals you're doing together, yeah. it's basically Everyone every, gets everybody's the getting the same thing. Uh, but then you do have some meals on your own uh, as well where yeah. you can have uh, you can basically go out anywhere. There were a few, though. So like the first night we got in Lisbon, we had dinner. Basically, it was by ourselves at the hotel, but it was part of the package. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we had individual reservations oh. on our individual groups, but that there was a selection. I think you had like two or three options to select from and you could select it at the time. So there that were a was... couple of, of those meals as well where they're included, but they're not group meals. Was that uh, the tasting menu? 
No, that was that was at the Algarve. Oh my gosh, yes. we'll we'll have to talk about this. Yeah, so so we had at the Algarve too. You had a, a similar thing where that first night it was basically a reservation by group. Again, it's included, um, but it's not you know a group meal. So you get a lot of meals included. Uh, I I will agree with you. I mean, it's not there weren't a, like a ton of vegetables. If you didn't really like the options. Again, you're kind of stuck because everybody's eating the same thing. But I think overall, I mean, I think the food was good. There definitely were there definitely were some meals that were far better than others. Yeah, you know, and, and some you know maybe weren't uh, as great as as the other ones. But I think overall, you know, the food was good, and I think it was a good mix of okay, you have some nights on your own, so you can kind of get something that maybe you're more comfortable with. There are some meals where you have kind of your options, uh, and then you know the the group meals as well. All right. So on day six, day six was another really big day. So it was our last day in Lisbon, but we really didn't spend it in Lisbon. Uh, we, we went out to some of the surrounding cities. So we went to Cabo de Roca, which is known as the end of the world. It's the westernmost point in Portugal. Um, so that was pretty fun to go out there. It was very windy. Yeah. Very, very windy. It's on a cliff uh, right on uh, the, the beach there. Um, but that was neat to see. And then we had uh, lunch at a town nearby and got to do an e-bike ride along the river. The lunch was the one that we had a corner table and the glass walls overlooking the the, beach. the ocean and yeah. the beach. Yeah, yeah, that was really cool. So, so we took an e-bike ride to Kishkaish, uh, which is kind of like a, a popular like beach area. And I think mm-hmm. they said it's one of the the more popular for like the rich and famous. You mm-hmm. know, people when they go, they go there. Nearby there is Sintra. And this was probably one of the highlights of the trip here. Yep. You get to do uh, an after hours tour. It's just us. It's after it's closed to the public of Penna Palace, which is so cool. on the hill above Sintra. It's a very colorful and unique looking palace. Look it up uh, if if you have a chance to Google it. Um, but that was really unique because you go after it, it closes. We drive up the mountain. Even the drive was an experience because we were taking a huge tour bus and our driver had to negotiate like the smallest little spaces and curves and turns. And when you look down, it was like you, it's basically off of the side of the mountain. It was insane. Um, so even getting up there in itself was an experience. But Penna Palace, I think, was probably maybe one of my favorite things just because of its grandeur, the story behind it. You know, there's like a love story connected to it. And again, Philippa painted a way more beautiful picture than I would ever be able to paint of, you know, this actual real love story versus, you know, a lot of the royal royals back in the, t- in the day would just get married because it was kind of a thing of convenience and to kind of bring countries together. So there was like real love there, but then they kind of had an eclectic style. So there were many colors. It was just a really interesting place that kind of seemed in one way, like piecemeal together, but at the same time, also just like somebody was like, I like this and this is what I'm going to do. And like, it, it just was really cool. It was a cool experience. I mean, we went to see other castles when we were in France, but I think this one kind of sticks out in my mind. Lori had a way of putting it and said, you know, the castle in Walt Disney World would be, Walt Disney had seen this, he would have done this instead. Um, and I kind of feel like she might be right there or she would have patterned it more after this palace yeah i mean it's a very unique palace because it's not grand in the way like you think of like castles and things like that i mean it wasn't meant to be one that a ton of people came to it was meant 
you know, just for like the royal family. So it was it was smaller. You know, it wasn't this like huge grand thing. And it's kind of hard to describe because it does look like it doesn't go together because part of it's red, part of it's yellow. There's blues. There's there's tile. You know, part of it's painted. Um, so it, it is a really unique sight to see, and it is on the top of a mountain. I mean, from it you can see. Lisbon, like you, you can see all the towns. Uh, so it, it is pretty amazing to be there. And then again, just to kind of be there at night. Uh, when we were there, it was interesting because it was very foggy. So it had a very like eerie yeah. kind of tone to it. Um, sort which, of somber. Which added to it. But it, it was, uh, it well, was, it was nice a lot of fun to be there. Well, it was nice when we got up there. But then when, as the night kind of went on, it got super foggy up there and, and you couldn't see a thing. Yeah, but but that was definitely, uh, you know, that's definitely one of the highlights of the trip. And I think that's one of the selling points that they have. But you know, yeah, day six was was pretty, you know, action packed day, the last day in, in Lisbon. And so uh, moving into day seven. So again, we're, we're transferring, we're, we're going to the Algarve, which is our final destination. Uh, but on the way, we have a couple stops. So we do another wine tasting. So we, so we hit another uh, vineyard. Yeah, it was maybe winery. a little heavy on the wine tastings. I think Joe and I talked about this. We thought that the second, now that we did the cork activity at the second one, but we thought that the second one was probably the one that could have been dropped because I think the first one was really interesting in how they made the port wine. And I liked this one as well. I thought it was really pretty and I think it was just kind of different. So I I enjoyed that one as well a lot. Yeah, I will say though, you know, with the wine tasting and things, especially with this one, it, you know, it's just delayed how long it took us to get to the Algarve. And the Algarve was really nice. Yeah. So that was probably one of one of my downsides of the trip is we didn't spend a lot of time in the Algarve. So if you would have cut this one out, you could have got there a little bit sooner. Maybe would add it to. But you're right. It was really interesting because they actually age a lot of their wine on ships, and they you know, yeah. they send it out to sea because it ages like 15 years and like six months, which is which is pretty cool. So it was interesting to see. But the other cool thing we got to do, and I talked a little bit. A little bit about this at the beginning is we got to go see how the tile was made and we got to paint our own tile. Mm-hmm. So again, it, it was you know in a place that you're not going to get to just as a normal tourist, uh, and, you know, in this small shop. So we got to learn how they hand make these tiles, how they paint these tiles. We got to paint them ourselves uh, and actually, you know, um, they actually fired them for us in the kiln and we got them before we left, which was yeah, this, pretty at amazing. Our, at the end ceremony, yeah, we got them. A, a pretty quick turnaround because this place was a few hours away. <laughs> Tinkerbell did it. Yeah. That's this, what Lori told us. How Because Joe said, how are we going to get these? And she said, Tinkerbell will take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And because it, again, it's a few hours away from where our, our final stop was because this was pretty close to Lisbon. Um, but that was a lot of fun. We got to uh, make some cheese. That was really local, cool. Local cheese. Uh, I forget the name of the type of cheese that was made, but it's yeah. a local cheese I can't that they only either. make there in Lisbon. Well, that was cool because like we we got to actually kind of help to make it. Like I got I volunteered to help form it. The woman that taught us was really interesting. She was actually English, but she taught us how to make it and then we actually had a cheese tasting directly after it. So we got to try that cheese and it was cool because it changed depending on how long it was aged. So it started as kind of like really soft, but then you know, it would actually get kind of like melty on the inside as it, as it aged. Um, so that was an interesting thing to also do. I, I really, I enjoyed the cheese tasting probably more than the wine tastings. <laughs> yeah. So those two activities were a lot of fun. So that's kind of like the morning of day seven. And then you have a drive again. It's about another three, three and a half hour drive down to the Algarve. So those travel days 
do get a little bit long. Again, the bus is nice though. You're in a pretty big You're in you know, a super tour nice bus. bus. There was plenty of room for all of us because again, there's only 22, 23 right. of us. That so was the, kind of spread out. Yeah, that was the nice thing is yeah, if there would have been 40 people, that would have probably not it wouldn't have been as nice because Joe and I had separate seats and I think I at one point even laid and sprawled across the seat and fell asleep. Um because again, lots of stuff going on you get tired so i definitely took advantage of sleeping time on the bus yeah so we get to the algarve so this is where we have our dinner at the hotel and this is a beautiful hotel all the hotels were were beautiful um, but this one is on a cliff overlooking the ocean so it has the most you know scenic view our rooms had balconies overlooking you know the ocean yeah. overlooking the cliff so we stayed in two restaurant or two restaurants we stayed in two hotels um owned by Tivoli which I didn't know I never heard of them before but I don't know if this is a common rule but the two we stayed in in Portugal were gorgeous so that was there was one in Lisbon and then the one that we stayed in in the Algarve was amazing so that night, you know, we had that meal on our own and that was the night that I got to do the tasting menu um, and we kind of went back and forth about whether or not to do it. I'm glad that I did it. You order it off of the a la carte menu, um, but they did a pretty nice job. You know, Philippa kind of prepped us and said, you know, if you're going to be there a few hours, like several hours if you do the tasting menu. But they did like once we sat down, they kind of got my courses started and sort of timed them to go with your courses as well. But it was just really cool. Uh, I got like a gazpacho. I had a pre-dessert before my regular dessert. It was just really everything. The presentation of the food was beautiful. And it was just a like as she mentioned, she said it was an experiential thing. And it was, it was very experiential. We had a table that was right by, um, like on a balcony that overlooked the ocean. I mean, it wasn't a bad place to have to spend a few hours. So it was really an awesome dinner. Yeah. And while this was, you know, ourselves, it was included. So this was part of the package. So it, we had individual reservations, but it wasn't like we had to pay extra for this. So basically you had $80 to spend yep. at the restaurant. So you could do one of the tasting menus. You actually did the vegetarian tasting menu yes. um, that, that you did. And then, yeah, I just selected food off of the a la carte option. But again, you have up to $80 to spend. And this is kind of, I said this at the beginning, a tip of, of staying early, staying late. You know, the Algarve was incredibly beautiful. Like I mentioned, it's a cliff overlooking the ocean. There's a lot of caves there. There's beaches there. It's very beautiful. And the one, the one thing I was kind of disappointed in is basically you're there a day. So you get there at night on the seventh day, you have dinner. Like you said, it takes a few hours. That basically takes up your whole day. You have day eight there and that's it because on day nine, you're leaving. So if I would have known it was that nice, I probably would have planned to stay an extra day. day or, you know, plan to leave later on that final day because we had uh, like an 8 a.m. flight uh, out of there on the final day. So, you know, you're leaving at 5 a.m. to get to the airport because the airport's 45 minutes away. I would definitely recommend, you know, if you can, you obviously want to get there early so to make sure you're there. But if you can, I would stay an extra day just because it is so beautiful and it's a nice, relaxing place to be. Now, on the eighth day, you do get to spend some time you know, there. So we got to take a, a boat ride and, and visit the cave. So like I said, it's, you know, there's all these cl- kind of cliffs along the ocean. A lot of them have caves in them. So you get to take a boat ride and go into the various caves along the coast, um, which was pretty neat because they're very popular caves. And there's a lot of people 
going in and out of them. So to be able to just kind of, you know, quickly buzz in and out on a boat uh, is a pretty cool experience. What was mind blowing to me was that some of the openings weren't that big. And I was thinking like, there's no way they're getting this boat in there. And they did like they it was it was just it was crazy. But they take you in and they'd show you the cave. Some of them were closed caves, but some of them were really cool where they had beaches in them. And, you know, they kind of mentioned that because of Instagram, like some of them used to be kind of private and people didn't know about them. But now people go to them because, you know, they have these beautiful rays of sunshine coming from above. Yeah, there's, there's, there's holes. One, yeah, there's the one earth there above them. that's really popular. I forget the name of it, but there was like hundreds of people in there like it was I, insane like there was probably a hundred people kayaking into it and then probably another couple hundred people on the beach that have already kayaked there that and it, it was too crowded i mean the beach wasn't that big and so it's like it was cool to see it from the boat and to be able to like look in and see it but that's not a place that yeah, i'd want to kayak go. into and spend some time because there was just so many people there because like you said because of instagram you know it, it becomes so popular yep so I, but the, that was, this was like a speedboat tour and it was just really interesting because you buzzed along the coastline. You went into the various caves and checked them out. We saw a peregrine falcon, our, um, our guide kind of pointed them out to us. And so that was kind of interesting. And then whenever we got to the very end, we took a boat ride back. One nice thing that I, I did on my own, and this wasn't part of the adventures by Disney, was that morning I got up, I decided I needed to see like one sunrise. Um, so I got up early and the hotel is situated kind of like, you know, it's on these cliffs, but you're not at the top of the cliff. So there's a, you can walk along the edges of the cliffs and there are like trails that you can go along. So I kind of walk or I kind of hike slash ran along there to find a good place. And I ended up at there was a little table that was put out there by one of the hotels that was a couple hotels down from ours and it was just a table with two chairs and I sat at the table with two chairs on the edge of the cliff and the sunrise unfortunately was kind of on the other side of where we were so I didn't see the sunrise over the ocean but it still was beautiful um, kind of seeing it come up over the land with the scenery that was around me. Yeah, you're you're more because you're on the Atlantic Ocean, kind of more sunset. You're kind of facing west there, so yeah, the sunrise is is kind of behind you. You know what you're facing; it's the sun setting more over the ocean. But uh, yeah, but just again, spectacular views, mm-hmm. uh, and you can walk, you know, all all along it. So you know, you take the boat ride. There's a beach there. There's like a little town. But then if you want to walk back to the hotel, it's a you know 15 minute walk, and it's yep. along those cliffs. So it's a nice kind of coastal walk back as well right. to see. So if you are going to go on this trip, though, I would suggest bringing some you know nice tennis shoes because. You know, first of all, you're doing a good bit of walking in some places, but if you're gonna do these like coastal hikes and things, you're gonna need shoes. No, oh, definitely, do that with. definitely. But yeah, but the Algarve is just beautiful. Again, I think my my one critique is the fact that you only spend a day there. But yeah, you could, and you're you could definitely spend more time. There. You're more of a beach. You're a beach person for sure. And I will say. For me, if we would have been there an extra day, it would have been nice to spend maybe like the morning. There's So apparently the Algarve is known for having beautiful, wonderful water parks. And there was one, I think it was called like Splash and 
play or something. I can't remember what it was called, but it was splash and something. And it looked incre- like incredible. I would love to have gone there and then maybe spent the afternoon at the beach and just kind of relax. Yeah, there's a lot to do there. It seems to be kind of like a vacation destination for people there. So yeah, there's a lot of water parks, a lot of beaches. There's, there seems to just be like a lot to do that yeah. you, you could spend some time there. And it's just, it's absolutely beautiful. But that, that final night, is your farewell dinner. Uh, again, very well done. They had a band playing. You know, they do a, a slideshow kind of recap. Um, it, it's, it's very sentimental. It's kind of like graduation. You know, it it's, it's kind of like it's it's a recap. You, you can't believe at that point that it's been eight days that yeah. you've that you've kind of done all this stuff i mean it's a it's a nice time to just kind of reflect on what you've done you know, have, have one final yeah. meal with everybody yeah it was just it was just kind of you know it was sad because you become friends with the people and it's then you bittersweet. Know, yeah it's you know that you're probably yeah. not gonna see them again but yeah it was it was a lot of fun really enjoyed it um one other thing that we didn't mention is that sometimes things don't go as planned we had i think our our trip was pretty pristine as as far as Everything went well, but as we were kind of going to the various places, apparently the trip before ours didn't get a chance to go to Penapalis because there were threats of wildfires and you're pretty up on the mountain. So they always have a plan B. So if you were to do the trip, there might there's a chance you might not do everything that we did because there might be extenuating circumstances, but they do have something else planned. Yeah, it sounds like they always have some sort of like plan B, no matter what. But yeah, but that's it. And then again, day nine. I mean, they call it day nine that you're there for the ninth day, but you're really not. You're leaving. <laughs> and I er- mean, everybody's I, leaving pretty early. So yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I think it's just it's flight times. I mean, flight. a lot of the flight times are very early and you can't like going back to the United States. So if you like, you're just not going to probably. Well, and you have to check out the hotel by you know, 10 or 11 o'clock anyway. So it's not like you can have, you know, a full day there, but, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a whirlwind. I mean, and one, one final thing before you get into that one nice thing too, that they do, they think of everything is that those of us who had really early morning flights, we weren't going to be able to get the breakfast that they had for us and the hotel that was included. They made us a breakfast box. So it had like juice in it, water, a little like little pastries, like a little cake and like, a little donut and then like a sandwich. Yeah, it was nice because you do get a breakfast included every day and they have a breakfast buffet at all these hotels so the fact that yeah you're leaving before breakfast started it was nice they kind of do give you a box but but yeah it wraps it up i mean it, it is kind of uh like i was saying uh, you know a whirlwind of a trip you get to do a lot you know while you're in it i don't think at any point i felt like oh my gosh like are we done with this yet you know it, <laughs> no. it, it, it they move you around enough and you get to do different things each day that it keeps it fresh it keeps it entertaining uh and by the end of it you're like wow yeah was that been eight or nine days already like it's hard to believe how much you've done and how quickly you know that had gone by overall I mean I think it was a great trip you know again the question is is it worth it is it worth you know the the price you pay to do this you know again like I kind of mentioned you do have to remember in the back of your mind hey you're paying for all of this yes you know that you can you know pay for the hotels, a lot of the food and stuff cheaper than what you're paying. But but the additions you get kind of some of the little extras they give you along the way or these, you know, special exclusive private viewings of things or some of the places you're going to that would be pretty inaccessible as just a regular traveler really do add to the experience. And the fact that you have two guides, I think, are almost invaluable to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it worth it? I think everybody's going to answer that a little bit differently. 
I thought it was good for the value. I mean, I definitely would do another one of these. I don't think I would do one to a city like Paris per se. I mean, I, I think I think that's where the question of value comes in. I mean, I think if it's a place like a London or a Paris where a lot of the stuff you're doing on, on the itinerary is pretty easy to, to get to on your own, it's probably not worth it. But definitely in you know, a country where they have really interesting experiences or some place where language may be a barrier or it's far like Antarctica or, you know, China or the Galapagos, someplace like that where it's really a challenge to get to, like trying to get to Antarctica or, you know, just very interesting experiences like the Galapagos or, you know, the Amazon, something like that. I think it's definitely worth it in that regard. But yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say just hey, going to London is probably worth it. I would maybe disagree with you on this one. And I, I you know, I, we've only done one of this. We were on trips. The trip that we were on, there was, I think, a couple that had done eight of them. I think there was another uh, family that had done like nine of them. So, I mean, obviously the value was pretty high if there's families that continue to repeat to go on them. But even somewhere like England, the amount of information, and again, Philippa was so good. I don't know whether it was her and she is, I mean, she was spectacular no matter what, but I don't know if their quality of, you know, like the local person is as high as it is with, was with Philippa. But like, even if you, if you get somebody like her in London, I mean, so many things have happened in London. Um, it's like basically having one of those little audio guides with you all the time that tells, you know, like the various history and things. And, you know, of course you can go on your own and see Westminster Abbey or whatever. And, you know, it's like kind of a big deal, but you might not know exactly all of the historical significance. So having somebody there saying, Hey, this is what this is and why it is, or, you know, this number on this sign actually is, you know, our country was the second country in the world to outlaw the death penalty. I mean, looking at that artwork, we would have never known that had we not had the people with us that we had with us. And so, I mean, I think that there's added value there that's kind of intangible. So even a place like London, I think, would be really interesting. I mean, you and I looked at one that's in California, which obviously we know that language, but they get you access to like really cool behind the scenes stuff. So, I mean, just because it's Disney, they're going to give you that extra little bit that's like kind of maybe makes it worth it. But I definitely think it's extra worth it in a country that's less accessible or, you know, you don't know the language um, because obviously you're getting that added benefit as well. No, definitely. Like, like you said, the guides add a lot uh, and definitely the kind of the, the VIP experiences that you can do definitely mm-hmm. factor in. But, but yeah. all, all, all things to kind of keep in mind if you're looking, if you're interested in doing an Adventures by Disney on your own and you're not sure like which location should I go to, I mean, definitely factor that in. Like you're saying, places that are maybe a little bit more inaccessible or look at the highlights, look at the itineraries, things that seem a little bit more VIP, not something you could just do on your own. Those are probably the ones where if you do it, you're going to be the most satisfied and kind of happy that yeah. you did it for the value versus again, I, I think, I, I think my point was just like, if you went to, you know, the London and Paris you're, one, yeah, it's you, not, you're not getting quite as much. Yeah. You may feel like I could have done most of this stuff on mm. my own. Was it really worth the extra money to pay for this guide? Whereas like Portugal, I don't feel like I would have known how to do half that stuff yeah. on my own, you know? And so it, it, it definitely helped and, and added to the value. We also heard, you know, from some of the other couples that had done other 
Adventures by Disney. We heard really good things about Ecuador, Galapagos. We learned good, we heard good things about South South Africa. Some good stuff about China as well. How you had to take like a lot of connecting flights, and they made that go very easily and smoothly. So those are maybe some other ones if you're interested. But Portugal doesn't sound like your thing. Maybe look there. Um, but check them out because there's a ton of them. They're always they're adding more. This was the first season for Portugal, actually. They wanted to debut this in what was it like 2019 and or 2020, and then obviously we know what happened there. So yeah, this was really, really a great trip though. But that wraps up our Adventures by Disney trip recap. Next week we'll be talking about our Disneyland Paris trip recap. That was our first time in Paris, first time at Disneyland Paris. So we have a lot to talk about there as well. So be sure to tune in to that episode next week. I want to thank everybody again for listening. If you've not done so, please leave us a rating or a review. Subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps and we really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to your ears. Have a great week, everybody, and we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.